Welcome to the 23 Minutes in Hell podcast. Author and speaker Bill Weiss and his wife Annette address the many questions we all have about hell and eternity. Bill and Annette believe the subject of hell shouldn't grip us with fear, but instead, it should inspire us to use our time on earth wisely. Thank you for listening to my wife and I. Today we are addressing the question, can I still be saved? Well, there are some who feel that they have participated in too much evil to ever approach God. They believe they are a lost cause and could never clean themselves up enough to become a Christian. Well, you are right. You can never clean yourself up enough to come to him on your own merit. None of us can. You know, we are all sinners. And as Psalms 51, 1 through 5 tells us, we are all born in sin. Even the best of us look like filthy rags to God, as Isaiah 64, 6 states. The point is, we come to him as we are, and he will clean us up, no matter what we have done. Now, some have struggled with sin and just can't seem to get free of it. Now, across the country, Christians have asked me, Bill, why do I continue falling back into sin? They state that they go to church. I ask them, do you read the Bible daily? Not one has ever said yes. You know, Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The more of God's life-giving word you put in your heart, the less you will sin. Those are really good points, Bill. You know, and the question might actually be, were you saved in the first place? I mean, many people say, you know, they've, that they've said a prayer, but never truly repented. And repentance means, you know, to be sorry for our sins, to turn from them, and to come to God willing to walk away from a sinful lifestyle. And 1 John 1, 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And also 1 John 2, 3 through 4 says, Now by this we know or we have assurance that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So people are struggling because they are trying to resist sin without actually being saved, trying to do it in their own flesh without the Holy Spirit's help. They have put the cart before the horse. I mean, once a person, Bill, is truly saved, being born again, The Holy Spirit within the Christian gives them the grace or the ability to resist the sin. That's right. So they got to be saved in the first place, you know. Now, as for those who uh, were truly born again, but then fell away or backslid, then yes, you can return to the Lord and be forgiven, just like Jesus taught in the parable of the prodigal son. Now, if you are experiencing guilt and conviction for living in sin, then that is a good sign you are saved. Your heart is condemning you because you are violating God's word. But to continue in a sinful lifestyle only sets you on a slippery slope to become deceived and to be hardened, uh, you know, to harden your heart against God. Now, this is why Paul the Apostle warned us so much about the dangers of sin. You know, that's so true, Bill. You know, in saying all this, we also know that as a new believer, some will still struggle with sin because their mind has not yet been renewed That's right. with the Word of God. You know, our spirit is, is made alive to God when we get born again. 
uh, when you come to Christ. But your soul, which consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions, still has to be transformed or renewed by learning and receiving God's word on a regular basis. And this comes through reading the Bible, praying, going to church, and Bible study. So if you are a new believer and you are still struggling with sin, this does not mean that you are going to hell. You are just a spiritual baby in Christ and you need time to mature. God is merciful and gives each of us time to grow. However, you know, this is still no excuse for sin. You will reap the consequences for your poor choices, your lack of obedience, and your refusal to renounce your sin. You know, there is a law of sowing and reaping. um, And we want to get rid of sin as fast as you can. That's right. So there's no excuse for sin, you know, but as you're a baby, you know, you got to allow yourself a little bit more time, you know, to grow. Now, as for the person who was truly saved, but now has no guilt whatsoever for your sin, then you are on dangerous ground and most likely have abandoned your faith. You have fallen away or departed from the faith. Now you can return, but it becomes more difficult the longer you wait. If you have now rejected Christ and you were to die suddenly, you would end up in hell. You know, Mark 9, 47, Jesus said, And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter in the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. So Jesus just told us, we would be facing hell fire if we are practicing a lifestyle of habitual sin. That should put the fear of the Lord in any of us, right? Right. You know, in these next verses, Paul is warning us about sin also. In 1 Timothy 4.1, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with the hot iron, which means to depart from the faith. A person had to be in the faith to start with, right? Having their own conscience seared. Right. That says departing from the faith. Yeah, in the verse, departing from the faith. Exactly. You know, and Hebrews 3, 6 says, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if... We hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. Here's Hebrews 3, 12 and 14, again saying, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. And 1 Corinthians 15, 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand. So there's something for us to do in which we stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you unless you believed in vain. Boy. So all of those are saying, you know, if, and we have the Holy Spirit, if we're truly born again in us to resist the sin, to stand and to stay uh, continuing in Christ, right? We have that, but we still have free will and we can be deceived. That's what Paul's warning. Right. Second Peter 3.17 says, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the heir of the wicked. So again, there's a warning. He's given us warning. You can fall away. 
But notice in, in those three verses that you just gave, you know, the word if, if we continue. Well, what if we don't? Now, those again are warnings to stay on the narrow road. And as for the person who refuses to repent in the first place, they will find themselves in hell when they die. That's right. John 3, 19 and 20 states, The light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So there's practicing it again. Right. It's proof that you're not saved. Right. You haven't repented. You know, Jesus said in John 8, 21, I am going away. He was getting ready to leave and depart to heaven. I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So we see by this verse that if we die in our sins, we cannot enter heaven. That's very clear. Then Acts 3, 19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Well, we see by this verse that repentance of our sin is a requirement in order to be forgiven and our sins blotted out. That's a good point, Bill. You know, so many, sadly, out there do want to take the word repent or repentance out of, you know, the salvation conversion, coming to Christ. Right. They want to remove that, oh, you don't need to repent. Right. Right? They want to remove that, and that repentance is a requirement, like you said. Right, and that's having a sorrowful heart for sin being sorry for our sin and turning from the sin. It's not enough to just say, oh, I'm sorry. you got to turn away from sin and then agree to follow Jesus. That is true repentance. Exactly. And when we surrender our lives, we have that assurance that we're following him. That's right. You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. He's talking to Christians here. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. We see by this verse, if a person is practicing sin, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. Well, if they're practicing sin, then they're not saved. That's the point. Exactly. They're just not. So anyway, the bottom line is to repent, run to God, and he will forgive you. Now, look at King Manasseh, and this is in 2 Kings 21, 1 through 18, and 2 Chronicles 32 and 33, and 2 Chronicles 33, verse 1 through 20. This is all spelled out. Now, he was one of the most wicked people to ever live. He set up altars to the false god Baal and worshipped at the, all the starry host of heaven. He even carved an image of the false god Asherah and set it up in the very temple of David and Solomon, the true God's temple, which was an extreme desecration. He sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced divination, sought omens, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He shed so much innocent blood that it filled Jerusalem from end to end, the Bible says. He did many detestable things and murdered many innocent people. He was pronounced by God to be more wicked than the Amorites, who were some of the worst. God had warned him to change, but he ignored him. He ignored ignored God's warning. God then sent the Assyrians to capture him. They placed a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze uh, chains, and carried him off to Babylon and placed him in exile. Well, while in exile, he sought the Lord earnestly, And the Lord forgave him and brought him back to his kingdom. 
Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. Wow, would you think God could forgive him? Yet God did. That's God's great mercy. I mean, there's not many people more wicked than him. And yet he repented and God forgave him. That's a great story in the Bible, you know, and also, Bill, another example like that. That's why people who think they're a lost cause, you're not a lost cause, right? That's right. I mean, look at also King Ahab. You know, he did, it says, the Bible says in 1 Kings 16, 30, it says he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He bowed down and worshiped Baal. He was married to the evil Queen Jezebel. He promoted idolatry, murdered an innocent man in 1 Kings 21, and he did much evil. Elijah the prophet told Ahab that the dogs would lick up his blood. 1 Kings 21, 19 says that. He also told him that his family would be eaten by dogs and by vultures. When he heard this, he fasted and earnestly repented, and God then did not do all the destruction to him and his family. And God mercifully postponed the destruction of his dynasty. He lived at least three more years and would have lived longer, but Ahab was later enticed by 400 of his own false prophets to go up and fight a battle with the king of Syria. And God had his own prophet warn him not to go, or he would lose the battle and his life. But he didn't listen to God's prophet. He went to battle and lost and was struck by an arrow, died in his chariot, and the dogs licked up his blood from the chariot, just as Elijah said in 1 Kings twenty-two thirty-eight. Here God forgave a most wicked man, and then later God again warns him of his wrong decision to go to battle. He would not heed God's warning. He disobeyed God and lost his life. Now, God is extremely long-suffering with his forgiveness and mercy, again, in that example. Right. But, you know, see how God warns us first. He's always warning us. And then we can go down, like, degrees of needing more chastisement or God allowing us. He's going to allow us to go our own way. That's right. And we're going to suffer the consequences if we keep disobeying and harden our heart. Exactly. Another story in the book of Jonah, chapter 1 through 3 God was going to destroy the exceeding great city of Nineveh for their wickedness. Now, Jonah was God's messenger, and he did not want to go and deliver that message. So he got on a ship going the other direction. Now, God had a wind and a big storm come up. God was going to destroy the ship and Jonah. The men of the ship asked Jonah who he was and could he be the cause of the storm. Well, they cast lots. That's what they did back then. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So Jonah told them he was a Hebrew and feared the God of heaven who had made the sea. He told them he had fled from the presence of the Lord. Well, then the men became greatly afraid and asked, what do we do? Jonah told them to throw him overboard so as to calm the storm. Well, they didn't want to, but they did, and the wind and the storm ceased. Then a great fish swallowed Jonah and took him down to the bottom of the sea, and God brought him to the gates of hell. Then he repented, and God had the fish vomit him up on the seashore. Jonah then went and delivered the message. He told them God was going to destroy the city in 40 days. Well, the wicked king and all the people ended up fasting and repenting, and God didn't destroy it. 
God forgave them for a generation. His great mercy extended even to those who don't know him. This is, again, how loving, merciful, and forgiving God is. Oh, that's another great example. You know, however, if you are not willing to repent, then God will not forgive you. You would end up in hell. You must do it God's way and ask forgiveness for your sins with a sincere heart and turn from them and serve Jesus Christ if you want to be saved. That's right. It's so clear. You know, there is no in-between believing, no halfway or partial commitment to Jesus Christ that qualifies you for heaven. You are either in or you are out. Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty three, he that is not with me is against me. So make up your mind while you still have breath. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to leave us a rating or comment. We value your feedback. Stay in touch and learn more about this ministry by visiting us at soulchoiceministries.org.